Please. Welcome to another edition of Truth and Rhythm, brought to you by FunkinSlift.net. This is the interview show that gets deep in the pocket with contemporary music's foremost masters of the groove. I'm your host, Scott Dr. Jake Skolfein, musicologist and author of Everything is on the One, the first guy to funk. If you don't have your copy, get on over to Amazon to pick one up. You'll be so glad you did. Whether you're watching the video version of this at FunkinStuff.net or on YouTube or listening to the audio-only podcast version from providers like iTunes and Spotify, as always, I thank you so much for your continued interest and support in the show. Speaking of which, if you haven't already done so, subscribe to the Funk and Stuff channel on YouTube. That's where Truth and Rhythm lives. All kinds of goodies you'll get, uh, early premieres, and it's all free, so make sure you sign up. Tell a friend, tell family. Also get your official Truth and Rhythm and Funk and Stuff gear at the FunkinStuff.net store. Cool stuff like I'm wearing right here, Truth and Rhythm shirts, Show your support and love of the show and also the musicians and the music that they represent. Um, also want to give a shout out to the Funk Exhibition Center and Hall of Fame in Dayton, Ohio, of which I'm very proud to be an official Funk Ambassador. Go to thefunkcenter.org to learn more and keep the funk alive. And now, with all that, it's time to get on with the show. Enjoy. Hey, I'm delighted to welcome to the Truth and Rhythm Mothership, Danish bassist Ida Nielsen, best known as a member of Prince's New Power Generation and Third Eye Girl bands, but also an increasingly prolific artist in her own right. That includes five solo albums since 2008, with her latest, 0202-2020, released earlier this year. That record is a mellow departure from her customary funk, and danceable grooves. <laughs> Ida, thank you so much for joining the show. Oh, thank you for having me. So, uh, as mentioned, big fan, and I uh, can't wait to to get into it. We're going to do a little bit of history, and then we'll get up to date with where we are today, if that's okay. Yes, that's great. Fantastic. So, first off, where are you coming to us from today? Uh, I'm sitting at my place in Denmark, in the countryside. Uh, so. That's it. Um, we're about to go on tour and not too long with the band. So I'm just getting the last couple of things together and trying to relax as much as I can before we hitting it. Yeah. So you've lived there your entire life? No, I just uh, moved here. Um, well, last year, actually, uh, but it's a little bit closer to my parents. I used to live in Copenhagen, which is the main city in Denmark. Um, but it's a little bit far from my parents and since the period uh, I was with Prince, I was gone a lot and now I got back, but I'm still gone a lot. So when I'm home, I would like to be a little closer. So that's why I moved and also to get some more space and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hope to get there one of these days, maybe. 
<laughs> you should only come in the summer. <laughs> is it is it a lot of uh, snow outside right now? No, not at all. It's very rainy. It's but it's just uh, not particularly pleasant uh, this time of year. Uh, I got you. Well, um, if okay with you, I want to go back and find out a little bit about you know how you first got into music and then work our way up to some of the more recent stuff. Yeah, cool. So, uh, how did you first get in into music? Did you have formal training and and what drew you to the bass? Well, the bass was a little bit of a coincidence, actually. But I think what drew me to the music was I also grew up in the countryside here in Denmark. And uh, I went to this tiny little school and we had this music teacher who was so involved with uh, with everything. And, and she was arranging after school choir stuff. And there was just a, a lot of music going on at the school. And that's where I, I think my passion for music started and uh yeah and then one day at the school we got an electric bass and a drum kit and everybody who wanted to could get a little try of it and so i tried it but i didn't really like the bass i liked the drums and i played piano a little bit myself uh, uh before but then one day a girl i was singing the choir with asked me hey we're going uh we're gonna have this concert with the band on uh, and and uh, our bass player just quit. Do you wanna do you wanna play? Because she saw me play a little bit of bass, and I was like, sure, why not? Uh, uh, let's do it. And I basically I couldn't play anything. I knew the name of the strings and three notes, and that was it. But uh, I went for it, and it was you know it was not really uh, difficult uh, what I had to play. And uh, but and I didn't really like it. I thought it was. Um, thought it was a little boring. But then there was uh, this band with these young guys who were playing funk music. And the bass player was just going in. And uh, I, I was completely floored uh, by him. So I was like, oh, that's amazing. I want to do that too. And that's kind of how it started. And steps and steps. Uh, and I, yeah, more and more happened. But you know, that's, that's where <laughs> Point zero where the bass was uh, for my uh, for me. So it was funk playing that first got you hooked on it. Really. Oh yeah, yes. Uh huh. And you ended up uh, going to the Royal Danish Academy of Music. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So um, you got a nice academic uh, grounding in it as well. Yes. Uh, you know, I learned a lot of stuff that. Uh, was maybe not so much my passion, but has been, you know, very useful uh, for my mu musical career. So, so that was very cool. I learned a lot, uh, and then I was uh, playing funk on my own. <laughs> so, what was the uh, music like that you mostly heard when you were growing up? Though, did you actually hear much funk, or was it mostly pop? No, uh, I grew uh, up very much listening to what was on. Danish radio, which was also mainly Danish uh, music. So uh, I uh, I remember like two things that kind of changed me into a different direction was uh, once I saw a documentary about Billie Holiday. Uh, and I was so moved by her story that I started digging into uh, a lot of the music and I kind of got into it. Um, uh, and like learning something completely 
uh, different than what I've been uh, listening to. And then the other thing that happened was uh, I saw a different uh, documentary on TV about James Brown. And that just hit me. I never heard anything like it. And I was like, this music is just, I love it. So uh, the, that was actually the first albums I bought myself. It was a Billie Holiday album and a James Brown album. Like within. <laughs> yeah, well, James Brown, the foundation of funk for sure. Um, yeah, <laughs> but you know it's one thing to to like it or love it it's another to actually be able to play it so you know how much work did it take for you to kind of be able to you know get on the one and be able to feel funk and play it well you know when you start when you're a teenager and you start playing an instrument you 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 it is just fun you know it's like i wasn't planning on becoming a bass player when i started you know professionally it, i just knew i loved playing music and i thought it was fun so it it wasn't until quite later i i started actually thinking about what it was i was doing you know i was just trying to imitate stuff i heard i wasn't really thinking about ah it's got to be like this i like you know to be right or anything. i was just playing and then uh, later on, I I got more schooled and I met some people who were really good at playing funk and, uh, you know, step by step, it, uh, yeah, I grew with it, I think. But I, I think, you know, if you love something a lot, you uh, it's it's easy to to become good at it because, it, you know, it, it's playful. It, it was always playful for me to play funk. I, I think it's fun and you know I'm, I just love how it makes me feel and uh, yeah <laughs> so did you I'm guessing you eventually maybe started paying attention to people like Larry Graham and because yeah, you know you have a lot of plucking in your style so yeah at some point James Brown didn't have a lot of plucking no 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 uh, of course uh, Larry Graham Marcus Miller Victor Wood like everybody Bootsy Collins uh, <laughs> And of course, uh, like uh, all, like if we're talking bass players, there's, there are so many great, great bass players, and I've been listening to most of them. And uh, yeah, so, but for sure, like the whole style, Larry Graham, uh, is like very close to my heart. Yeah, yeah, I can hear that for sure. <laughs> so, you know. You did some recording and, and some things on your own before you eventually connected with Prince. Um, yes. I know you had the one record, Marmalade, um, which, you know, to me, when I hear that, I think, you know, all the pieces are in place from really what came after that, you know, so I'm not sure how long it took you to get to the place you were at that record, but that record sounds fairly polished and, and accomplished. So, um, what were the steps that kind of led up to that? Well, uh, it was actually, it was a decision I made because uh, again, I, I was living here in Denmark and I was playing with all kinds of different people. And I, for uh, quite some years, I was in an electronic band uh, where I played bass and keys, but um, nobody ever wanted me to play funk you know i didn't play funk music with anybody and i was like i just love it so much and you know every time with if i was in a band i was like well, hey can we do a little bit like <laughs> and everybody was like no we don't want that 
so uh, so I decided at one point I, 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 I need to do an album with a lot of slapping in it and a lot of bass and uh, you know it's just not or it was just not a pop, popular genre here in Denmark but other places in the world it is and I, I love it and I was like I need to do this album and it's got to have a lot of bass in it and I don't care if people don't like it or not I'm just going to do it so uh, so that was that was it and and I feel like that was the whole like doing that album just made a lot of, of really cool stuff happening for me and that I don't think would have happened if I hadn't done it so you took a big big bit of a gamble that paid off so. Yes. Yeah, you know, it's uh, because I got picked up uh, afterwards to go on the NAMM show with TC Electronic, who launched their first bass amp. And then some people took videos of me, and uh, that was in, I think it was in 2009, and there was not so many videos going on on the internet still as as now. But, um, and then that that's how Prince saw me, saw some of those videos. So, you know. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, but you you didn't use the uh, Eddie Nielsen name at that time. So no. How many names? How many uh, AKAs do you have? <laughs> well, uh, the thing is, when I did my first uh, album, I didn't know. I was like, oh, I need an artist name, but I don't know what it's going to be. And then, you know. Uh, the first one is called Bass Eda or Bessida, but it's really because that's what people always called me, <laughs> you know. Ah, Bass Eda. <laughs> if they were so, so it was, it was really, uh, you know, what people called me anyway. But I was never really so happy with it. So then I started calling myself Eda Funkhauser because I saw uh, that in a in an episode of uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. And I thought it was hilarious, like a hilarious name, and I thought that's supposed to be my name. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but then uh, once uh, I started playing with Prince, you know, everything was announced, Ida Nilsson from Denmark, and then all of a sudden there was a whole bunch of people who knew who Ida Nilsson was and uh, not any of the other names. So then I was like, well, okay, now I'm Ida Nilsson. Yeah. Um, I guess I said it the American way, Ida, I should say Ida, oh, okay. so I apologize for that. Oh, no way. No way. <laughs> Everybody does. <laughs> I did want to just mention a couple of tracks on that uh, on that Marmalade record that I really liked. Um, the uh, Please Poppy, really funky and groovy mm -hmm. track. And did you write all of these? Or? Yes. Wow. Uh there's a, a rapper guesting on some of the track. Every time there's a rapper guesting, they're writing their own lyrics. But uh, everything else uh, I'm writing and the music I'm writing. How long did it take you to finish that project? That took a little longer than uh, I thought it would. Because <laughs> okay. uh, I, I had all these ideas, but this was the, actually the first time I was going to do an album on my own. And uh, I was also not planning on singing on it. I was uh, maybe want to do some of the songs and uh, and then have different people come in and sing, but it took so long for me to write the lyrics that it just really, you know, I couldn't have anybody come and sing it until I finished the lyrics. And uh, then eventually uh, 
I did do it. And uh, the guy I was recording uh, in his studio, he said, you know what, I think you should just sing it yourself because it makes everything glue together because all the songs are a little different, but your voice makes it, you know, sound, uh, I don't know, I don't know the English word for that, but you know, it, it made it like a, a red thread th uh, through the whole thing. So, and then, uh, and then I did it. And then it actually turned out to be a, uh, an advantage because when I started playing with my band, I think it's more easy to get noticed as a bass player if you also sing. Mm. Uh, so a little harder though. <laughs> uh, oh yes. <laughs> um, the title track is a great uh, jam too, but it's so short. Uh, some of the tracks are a little on the short side, um, yeah. like that one. Mm -hmm. um, but it kicks butt for you know however long it is, less than two minutes. And then the closing track, Booya, is a uh, pretty wicked funk too. <laughs> So I really enjoyed those. Cool, man. Yeah. Did you um, sell many? And, like, where did they sell? Did, domestically or abroad? Or? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I don't think I, I, I sold that many. I, I sold some of the ones I had uh, leftovers uh, later on uh, when I started up with my own band again. But uh, it's, you know, it's... Uh, yeah, I, s I sold a few at concerts and, you know. So now they're collector's items. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> so you did the videos and somehow um, you caught Prince's eye. Um, yeah. Tell us, like, you know, the sequence of events that, that happened from that point to you actually auditioning or whatever it was that got you first playing with him. Yeah. Uh, Yes, it, you know, it was really surreal because not even like half a year before, one of my friends asked me, hey, what do you want? Like you're doing your own band and all this, but what is your goal? What do you want with it? What is your biggest dream? And I was like, well, to play with Prince. It's, that, that's it. <laughs> this is where I want to go. And uh, so, you know, when I got the call, uh, could not believe it. I think everybody who got the call could not believe it. You know, everybody thinks it's not, it's a, you know, a joke or whatever. But uh, so that's what first I, um, I couldn't believe it, but then it did sound like maybe it's true. I talked to, <laughs> to his manager at the time who invited me uh, to uh, Minnesota for three days for a jam. And then she said, and I was like, yes, uh, and she was like, would you like that? And of course, uh, I would like it. And then uh, she said, okay, I'll call you back. And then I didn't hear anything for like two weeks. And I was like, oh, it, it was just some of my friends who knew it was my dream and they were trying to pull my leg or something. But then eventually she actually did call back and I got uh, invited uh, and I went for three days and it was, uh, I didn't sleep. <laughs> I was so nervous, but um, yeah, it, 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 I, I got sent uh, some tracks to learn and uh, just very, very last minute. I don't know if it was on purpose or what, but I did. And then I went over there and basically uh, when, I'm, when I met Prince, 
the first time I, it was in Paisley Park in Studio A. And uh, I was about to shake his hand and he, he was like, mm, here, we, we're giving each other hugs here. And then he gave me a hug. <laughs> so that was, that was pretty cool. And then uh, John Blackwell was there too. And uh, we were just talking a little bit and I was uh, quite nervous uh, and shy. <laughs> but Prince was really cool. He asked me about my bass and you know, it made me relax. So I told him about what bass I played and he was like, can I hear it? And then I took it out and started playing a little bit. And then he told John, hey, the drums are already hooked up. You can uh, you can go uh, play along if you want. And then John went in the drum booth and started jamming along and then Prince was playing keys. And then we're jamming a little bit and then he started playing something else with a little weird bass line in the left hand and I think he did it to see if I could catch it. So we played that for a little bit and then he was like, yes, <laughs> okay, um, we're going on tour. Are you available? <laughs> so, just like that. <laughs> just like that. Wow. Yeah. So wow. that was like after 20 minutes, 30 minutes jam, he invited me on the tour. So, and then it just went, you know, I was there for three days. The second day, we we actually went on the sound stage with, uh, you know, and jammed for real. And I kind of had a little bit of a meltdown and I couldn't remember anything. And I was like, oh, he regrets it now that he asked me. <laughs> uh, but then uh, the third day it was a little better. And then he gave me this, a CD and said uh, there was a live concert. He's like, go home and learn it and call me when you know it. So uh, I went home and I learned it and I called and said, hey, I, <laughs> I know it now. <laughs> and then I got uh, invited back to the States and we just started rehearsing for the tour and started. This was, uh, I think, in August, September, just around August, September uh, 2010. And in October, we were on tour or November. I think October we started uh, rehearsing and then November we were on tour. So it was everything went really fast. Wow. Did did um had you ever been to the States before? Yes. Uh I had been um I I was actually touring with a band from Europe called Sat Mama and we had a few uh tours in the States. Uh so uh it was not my first time, but you know, it was of course all different. Yeah, my gosh. Um that's incredible. So what what impression did Prince have on you, though, when you first met him in person? I mean, in terms of, I mean, gave you a hug, but in terms of just a person and also a talent. I mean, he, he was so sweet. Uh, like when I first met him, he was really very sweet to me and um, definitely trying to do his best to make me feel comfortable. Uh, so like I, I came with a really good feeling. And then of course, you know, he was my musical hero and it was amazing. And then, you know, to be like the first time to be in, in the room jamming with him was out of this world, you know, he's so funky, <laughs> even like, doesn't matter which instrument, you know, he was on keys then. <laughs> so, yeah. 
Did you already know how to play some of his songs? Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I learned some of the songs and uh, uh, you know played them over the years, but also yeah, listened to some of it, of course, when I heard about the audition. So that was around the time I know that uh, this record was out. He released 2010 through the newspaper. Yeah. Uh, so, and I think I'd seen footage uh, from the MPG then, and you were, you know, on that tour. Um, so, what do you remember about uh, that first tour? You know, uh, it's yeah, it's it's crazy. I re I remember everything, but but like in high speed sort of, because the thing is, when I started, I had to really uh, learn a lot of songs because uh, you know we had we never played the same set list two nights in a row so so you know it's a quite big uh, uh, yeah I just have to know his entire repertoire or that's not possible but a lot of it and you know so it was always a build-up and we did also a lot of after shows where we played different songs so um, it was in the beginning, I just had to learn uh, and learn and learn and learn. So I didn't even notice, you know, everything all of a sudden, you know, we're traveling first class. It's everything is fantastic, but I don't even have time to really notice because, you know, I'm just so focused to do the job well. Um, yeah, it's. Um, I forgot what you're asking. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the tour was like, but um, did he actually uh, show you how to play any parts on bass himself? Like, you know. Oh, yeah. 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 Because, uh, you know, sometimes he would just, and this was uh, like all the way uh, also with Third Eye People, sometimes he would be very particular how he wanted it. And then he would have to show me if I didn't get it by myself. Like if I played something he liked, he'd just let me play it. But if, if I was missing something, he would show me. So, uh, you know, it was quite a luxury to have a band leader who can show you exactly how it's supposed to be. <laughs> did, did that tour go to Denmark? Yes. We played our second and third show in Denmark. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so it, I mean, it was, uh, um, yeah, it was, well, the, actually, the biggest thing for me was the first show, which was in Norway, because before this first show, the band had been in Paris rehearsing without Prince. So we've been rehearsing for a week and, you know, just to, you know, be in really good shape and also, I guess, adjust to the time zone. So we rehearsed for a week. So this was actually the first time we played with him since we were rehearsing in the States. So... And I just remember the difference from us rehearsing without him to actually him being on stage and just starting singing the first song and, and how it was like, a, like just went from here to here. Like that, that effect he could have on everybody, also the musicians and also make everybody just play better and because uh, he was so much music, you know? Oh, yeah. Did you was it was it a challenge to keep up at all doing those long shows and after shows and hopping city to city and it was just fantastic 
<laughs> and later on it got tough but in the beginning it was just fantastic <laughs> so john blackwell was on drums and you yeah. know uh the late john, great john blackwell um yeah. he was phenomenal of course we all know um mm -hmm. who were a couple other people in that band and what was it like playing with them it was fantastic i can tell you everybody who was in the band of course uh morris hayes renato Neto. Cassandra O'Neill, all three of them on keys, uh, and uh, Liv Warfield, Shelby J, and uh, Elisa Dees, uh, all singing, those three singing, and then John Blackwell and me. And so three keyboards, three singers, John and me, and then of course Prince. So Prince handled all guitar on that show. Yeah. No. Oh. Yeah, and then actually uh, Sheila E joined us on some of the shows also on this tour. Mm -hmm. And so you went from that tour, and then what happened after the tour was over? Well, the tour kind of never ended because uh, we we started this tour, and then we started the Welcome to America tour right after, where we played a whole whole lot of dates in New York, and then we went to. Uh, the Carolinas and uh, I was there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then we went to LA, and then we went to uh, Australia, and then we went to Canada, or the other way around. But we were, like it was two years of almost constant touring. So um, and you know I was home like once in a while for a week or two, and then back on the road. So it was really. And then in 2012, uh, he started doing the big band where he put uh, Andrew Goucher on bass. Uh, and I played guitar first with Mike Scott and then later on with Donna when she joined. So that was like a transitioning period. I think he was, uh, you know, trying something else. He wanted all the horns. And, uh, and then by the end of uh, 2012, well, in the middle of 2012, one day Hannah came and, but I was there quite a lot with people coming like for a jam or an audition and something. So that was not, you know, uh, like sometimes people came and I played along on So, uh, and yeah, one day Hannah came and then by the end of 2012, all of a sudden Donna came and then Hannah and Donna and I was there and, and then Prince just had us play for a week, a whole lot of rock. And then we went home for the holidays and started up fresh in uh, 2013 and just started to rehearse and do a lot of uh, photo shoots and videos. But we had no idea that, uh, you know, what was happening with it. We're, you know, there was nothing, we were not told anything. Uh, and we did all these videos, uh, like fun stuff, like, cryptic who is third eye girl and we were trying to but we didn't know oh, yeah. that was going to be the name of uh, the band it was <laughs> um so we were just having a lot of fun it was actually a great way to get to know each other to like to goof around and make videos like that and just play a lot so um when when, when uh either when was the first time that you got to um be in studio with prince that was um I think in 2011, we, um, 
we did some recordings because we uh, in between some tours we uh, you know because he wrote music all the time and I remember we recorded a, a song in Paisley so that must have been early 2011 I'm not quite sure of the timing of it but uh, no that one might be later I remember uh, Andy Ello uh, Prince did her album and uh, and John and me was in the studio with Prince doing uh, maybe that was before I don't remember quite which one was first but that was in Switzerland we were in Switzerland right after the tour I just went home and then I got called back because <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, you know it was so beautiful there and they found a studio that had uh, tape so um, and then we started recording uh, her album. And I remember, you know, every time I've been in a studio doing any kind of recording, there's always been a click. And then I was, I was, like, I was asking John, what's the click? And he's like, no, we don't use clicks here. We, we're keeping it, uh, we're locking with ourselves. And I was like, I cannot believe that because if you hear back all his all his older records it sounds like there's a click like it's so tight that everybody is so tight but the you know it's, it's just how they play you know wow. <laughs> how you play so that was i was like i can is this really possible at all so that was uh quite um yeah an eye-opener for me that you don't have to do that and you know, because it keeps it more alive uh, and gives a different kind of energy. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, it was just a huge inspiration every time I was in the studio with him because he kind of had everything in his head, like all played, like how everybody was going to play. But in our case, we were just playing bass and drums, and he would have us do fills very specifically. He would like make it feel like this, <laughs> sounding like like he would be totally specific both with the drums and the bass and then afterwards you know you can hear what how he instruments everything else around that you know so he already heard it in his head uh, all these things so that was uh, you know it was really amazing to be part of wow yeah and somehow in the midst of all that you released another album in 2011 <laughs> yes um sometimes a girl needs sugar too yeah, yeah how, how'd you manage to pull that off well, actually, the album was uh, as good as done uh, when I got the call from Prince. So, uh, so it it's just been lying around, uh, you know, waiting to get released. And then we had a a break, but then we didn't really. But <laughs> I thought we were gonna have a break, and I was like, I'm gonna release it, otherwise it gets really old, and I'm getting tired of it before it gets out. So I'm just gonna uh, release it. And uh, uh, you know, I had I was only missing to uh, like very few things, and I remember I had uh, Shelby uh, uh, rap on one of the songs, uh, like which we did in a hotel room on one of the tours. So, <laughs> so you know, it's everything. It, it was mostly done, and then it got mixed, uh, and I was like listening with headphones for the mixes and stuff. And, yeah. When I when I hear this record, you know, it brought to mind to me some of the like uh, female proteges that Prince had even worked with like years ago, like 
you know, the Carmen Electra record, you know, and that kind of thing, like funky with the light kind of female vocal treatment mm -hmm. and um, very danceable and fun, you know, and a lot of personality. Um, I liked uh, repertoire in my bedroom, really fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but even things like cowboy song, I mean, it's like kind of quirky. There's this, your sense of personality and humor comes through, you know. Um, and some of the titles, too, made me think of, like, Parliament Funkadelic, you know, like, um, You Can't Fake the Funk and um, Discombobu, <laughs> Discombobu <laughs> Love Song or whatever. Yeah. It's like kind of like Parliament Funkadelic type, you know, titles, a lot of fun. So uh -huh. was, were you influenced at all, too, by George Clinton and, and Parliament and Funkadelic and Yes, absolutely. You know, it's a huge part of uh, uh, funk music. But I I listen more to uh, uh, Prince stuff, I must say. But you know, for sure, I, I, yeah, I think this those titles are just mostly because I'm goofy. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I said fine. You can say goofy. <laughs> <laughs> but you did mention Bootsy before, so that kind of plays. Yeah. 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 Sure. Um, so, yeah, you mentioned about, you know, kind of you didn't really know what was going on and, you know, you were doing all these things. It was fun. And from the outside, for me and for other uh, followers, it was like it was an exciting period being a fan. But it was also so much in the dark, you know, kind of like wondering what was going on and, you know, getting these uh, notices out of nowhere that, you know, Third Eye Girl was doing something online that night or whatever and just you know it was like really i think prince really tried to sort of go like underground again with the whole rock thing and doing things very spontaneously yeah yeah i think so it uh you know we also did just as you you mentioned uh those like we're like pop-up concerts and we did that a lot in the we did a whole UK tour with pop-up concerts, just announcing like on the day or the day before we're going to play here. <laughs> and you, you know, you couldn't buy the tickets online. You had to get out and stand in the line, like really old school, but you know, there was a really very cool kind of energy about that, uh, that whole excitement about it. That was, uh, we did it also at Paisley Park. But, you know, I think he's been doing that uh, always, but, uh, you know. How was it for you playing with uh, Donna and Hannah? And I mean, that was a very different experience and it was more rock than you had done before, right? Yes. Yeah, I kind of had to, uh, you know, I feel like the funky stuff was more my, uh, uh, what do you call it, my lane. But uh, the rock was, uh, I, you know, I had to not learn to play it, but, you know, to play it with the right feel, you know. So uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was interesting. Uh, like Hannah was really classic rock and Donna was also rock, but more like blues and fusion. And I was definitely more funk. And we came from three different countries. So, it, you know, it was just like a... Uh, yeah, it was it was very cool. I think the whole 